Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. This week we're going to talk about considerations as we move into Plant 2023. In our spotlight we'll talk about some new products coming out of Helena. Cool Beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events and we'll wrap things up with a feel good Friday. With me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey guys. Max Garvey. What's up everybody? Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. Well, given the weather forecast, I think we can officially say Sprinter is here. One day it's spring, next day it's winter. Max, you got to give us the update on what... I lost count. You lost count? <laughs> Just like third winter? No, I don't know. I lost Second count. Second spring? That 20 inches of snowfall we had last week was... It was 1 to 3, come on. Okay. <clears throat> 1 to 3 that turned into 20. 1 to 3, 3 to 5, 16 to 30, whatever. It's just a guide. It was a surprise, I'll tell you that. And then by Monday it was gone. Pretty much. Well, everywhere that didn't get 20 inches. Yeah. There, there, there's still some snow hanging around in a few spots, but... Yeah, it was kind of crazy. At least it wasn't two feet of snow, but you never know. We could still get that. This farm show week always has weird weather. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Country USA, farm yeah. show week. What's it about Oshkosh? Yeah. Those locations, those EA venues EA can be hit or miss, but it seems in general that has okay weather. But you're right. Like Even today they're talking like thunder. Oh, thunder snow? Yeah. Well, well just thunder storm because yeah. we're still getting rain yet till tonight when it turns into snow Cur- tomorrow. Currently, at this moment, we're getting rain. <clears throat> yes. In five minutes, it could easily be snow. You have no idea what's going to happen. It's pretty standard March, April weather in Wisconsin. Yes. March showers bring April showers. showers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Jordy was at the farm show. That's kind of cool. So he was signing autographs, apparently signing uh, some service motors footballs. So they okay. were Packer footballs, but they were service, service motor, motor footballs. It's so one of Bill's farmers said he didn't need a service motor football, so no. he didn't go get a signature. But yeah, do is that the he didn't deal? care is about it? Jordy? He just didn't want that service motors football. So well. he's a John Deere guy, and he won't be. won't touch the yeah. Interesting. That's a good move by service motors because I'm sure some people pick. It's like the Bush Light if you're a case guy and you had to drink the Bush. Yeah, the John Deere Bush. So, except you could get a Jordy football and run it over like the case guys are doing mm-hmm. with the Bush Lights. I wonder if you offered them to the John Deere dealers down there. Like, hey, let me sign a football for you guys. No, oh, farm show is always good. Don't pay to get in. Just got to pay to park. That's good. Didn't have it for a little while there. and Two years? Now it's back. Yeah, two years, I think. Because it would have been right at the beginning of the first COVID thing. And then, right. yeah, I don't think they brought it back that second year. They didn't. Yeah, last year was the first year back, I think, right? Yeah. So yes. Yeah. Probably. Yep. So you guys going to watch Farmer Wants a Wife? No, no, too late. I already did. You did? Oh, 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 did it air already? <laughs> oh yeah, they're in like fourth or fifth episode. So is this like, multi, like I, 
I just saw the commercials because they just keep running them. Like it's multiple farmers. It's right? Ford farmers. Yes. And then do each of them have multiple? And then they yeah like bachelor it's, type. It's exactly like dating is on the farm. I mean, okay. it's pretty. Well, they good. they mimicked it crowd like basically. I think they started out with like nine girls came out, and then they got to narrow it down to five that they wanted, okay. which is pretty typical. So all, all farm four dating. are narrowing the pool down? So No, like they or each, they each got, have nine. Yes. And the original nine picked which farm. They must have had like, like a, a sheet about each farmer. And then they, they looked had, at their farmer's only profile yeah, and said, okay, yes, this, is... this This guy, they swiped right. I don't know which way. This guy's there. a Hereford guy? Not Oof. a chance. Oofta. Yep. That ain't happening. Like, you know, are they ranchers? They're or? like ranchers and... Are, I mean, they're, they're farmers, farmers, but it's like a somewhat hobby farmers. Are too. they, though? No, are they it's, farmers? It's... How long not, until, like, that one farmer that was in The Bachelor gets in an accident? One of these guys gets in an accident, accident. and makes the national news. Now, the... What I thought was interesting was apparently this is like one of the most popular concepts in the world. Like there's versions of it oh, in like yes. a whole crap load of countries. Because it actually started in Europe somewhere. Yeah. Like who wants to marry a plumber? No, no, it was still just like, like that. Farmer. Just farmer. Yeah. Just farmer. Like the farmer like, concept, yeah. Oh, wow. Everyone and this wants is, to marry farmers. This is the second time it's been tried in the United States. First time was back in 08, and it made like six episodes, I want to say. So, I mean, the, if, they, if they aired three already, they're already yeah, they're almost up, halfway there. To, yeah. Their Fox is plugging enough that you wonder if they're just... Oh, yeah. I saw a billboard the other day. The, oh, really? Like, on the highway. Wow. This farmer wants a wife. Like, wow. wow. All right. Was it one of those electric build Those... The changing Yeah, billboards? it was one of the... Yeah. Yeah. I think with those, you can... Sure. They air anything. On yeah. Those. Oh, I'm looking at the profiles right now. Are we sure they're actually farmers? They're They're like... <laughs> Between hobby farmers and real farmers, there's finger quotes, man. Yes, they bought, I, that's hard. They to, bought a farmette and they have yeah. they have yeah. two Highland crosses and some chickens. No, one guy when I'm a professional goat farmer when they brought the first person back to the farm. She's like, "Oh, how many cows he got? Like ten, you know, like beef cattle." He's like, "No, I got 70. He's like, "That's still not like a huge amount either." So no. it's a different. It's yeah the the. The term farmer there is used pretty loosely. It's not like he's milking 6,000 cows. Right. Actually has to really bust it all day to... There you go. CAFO farmer once a wife. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole other like, tier on that show. They were like the one of the farmers was just basically the five that came back to the farm. He was just making them do like chores all day. Nice. It was quite the... And then he's like, yeah, I'm a trucker on the side. So, you know... If, if you pick me, I'm going to be gone like three, four days a week trucking, and you got to do all these chores. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, whoa. She was like, wow. That, yeah. Oh, so did they all just leave? No, they were, they were, yes. There's like, I'm like, there's no way this is going to go any past this show because you could tell most of these people, both med ed women on the show, just want the, you the, know, the TV show, attention. Yeah. So, yeah. But it was great. They got them like roping cattle and. No, it was more just like pitching, he was—he cut a big old tree down, and then they had to like <laughs> just basically, yeah, make carry wood. logs and make what, yeah. Here you uh, hump these logs over to the truck and <laughs> gotta keep warm this winter. It was a decent strategy if he could see which, because like a couple of the girls acted like they were doing a lot of work and didn't, you know, so you could see like. I they shoveled yeah, like, two 
whole shovel full so much of cow poop. It was a mess. And it's most of them comical like, for you to watch it, huh? It's it. I, it's good to see because even this, they play into a lot of the stereotypes of farmers. Sure. Like, so it's good to see what they think we are like. Just the same way when I travel to a big city and expect it to be like what you see on, you know, what you hear. Everybody's going to talk with a Boston accent and be like, <laughs> you know, like from Boston, y- right? Your cousin. So when you went to Boston a couple weeks ago, not a couple of weeks ago, not everybody talked. Like no, that. not even, not even. Like I met like two people that did. So it was very disappointing because you think, like I said, same way when they come to the country and expect us to be like total country bumpkins. Yeah. Yes. So it, it's fun to watch. I was yeah. walking up to people like, "Hey, where's the wicked coolest place to eat around here?" <laughs> yeah. And then they just talk normal. Yeah, at you weird, yeah. Like, oh, Shut over up. There, I guess. Darn tourists. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of actual farming, you guys ready to get into our topic for today? Yep. All right. So today we're going to talk about some planting considerations for the upcoming season. So hopefully, I mean, at this point, I think most guys have started to go through their planter, at least if not finished. But just some things to think about as you're getting ready to go out in the field. Um, did a, a planter day just a couple weeks ago and some things that we talked through and that might be good reminders. I mean, I'm sure everybody kind of knows some of this stuff, but it's always good to kind of go through it again and remember to do everything because it's been a long time since we planted our last crops. So 11 months. Mm-hmm. About a minute. Just a little, little bit of time span. That's a good. Like, think of anything where you got to like, like doing your taxes stuff, like getting that all prepped, even for your person. Like, you do it once a year, so you kind of forget. Like, oh yeah, I need that form, and I need that. Like planting too. You're not. It's not like you're planting all year round, where you can get in the groove of something. And I even get a cheat sheet from our tax guy to like fill in. Like, oh, here were the numbers last year, and I still am like, where the heck did I get that? Like, right. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I need and that. And you're waiting till like, February for all the dang forms to get sent back. So, man, this is their cheat sheet this is, yeah, for the sheet for spring farming, basically for, getting your planter For ready. that piece of equipment that you parked in the beginning of June last year and pulled out probably like a month ago, maybe, or a week ago, <clears throat> depending on how, how much time you spend. So if you've got new equipment on the planter or you're just going over the old one, uh, things to think about here. So residue management. If you're going to have residue in your fields, what are you using for residue management? Is it trash whippers, no-till coulters? Um, or did you just combine and kind of try to spread everything out so that it wouldn't build up? Checking all those pieces of equipment, you know, making sure you can have everything just the way you want it. If those no-till coulters or no-till discs that you're Running or worn down, changing them out, checking bearings. Um, with the trash whippers, I've seen quite a few guys go do ones where they can put it on a hydraulic and move it up and down. That way, if you go from one field to the next, you don't need the trash whippers all the time. That might be versatility. Versatility, yep. yep. So um, just think about how all those things are going to work together, even the settings on your trash whippers. If they've got fingers, whether you're interlocking the fingers or keeping them point to point, there's different 
amounts of residue that can change how you want that set. So making sure you just got to go through all that kind of stuff and and know what you're going to do <clears throat> to manage your residue before you get into the field. I'm surprised how many of the no-till coulters are be like I had two farms last spring. We just pulled them off. Yep. And just in general, seeing some a, a piece of equipment like that, if you if you got it and you like it and you got it dialed in, but there is some things too. Like that's one odd one where we've actually just it it didn't we didn't need it. It was kind of sometimes pulling up a little bit wetter soil from down below up into that where our double disc openers were running, so making that a little more inconsistent. Yep. So we just decided, nope, um, that's not good. And that'd be something to really watch your double disc openers. That's probably the most important sort of wear part that if, if it isn't right, you're going to have problems. And right. there's some guys that change them every year. There's certain guys, obviously, you look at the di- diameter of them and what you need. But those are really important. Yeah, even if you're not changing the discs themselves, checking bearings and everything can be a big deal. Because yeah. those bearings, depending on how many acres you're going through, might wear out before the disc does and even just having one or two that go out while you're planting could make a mess for you the other part for this particular year so in hashtag plant 2023 there will be no parts quickly available that's for sure so this is even more important because if it does break down you're probably not going to get it when you want it as opposed to last year where parts are readily available. <laughs> I was just going to ask that question. Are, are we I, better than last year? I feel like we're a, well, eh, better. No, talk, you probably got all the parts you ordered last year, uh, yeah, right, last a week, week ago. <laughs> so now you can change them out. Ta- talking to like some mechanic buddies like that do traction stuff, they, they said it's very difficult, very difficult. still. It just, it, the price of stuff is crazy. Sure. So that's one thing. And then you just finding it, getting it. Whatever is it's it's not new tractors are still hard to come by, so old tractors are being pushed the extra yeah, right, right. I got a new one this for this spring. One of my farmers got serrated double disc openers. Yep, that I'm they good. put on their um, planter. Yeah, they the STP. I think that? they're those sawtooth type or something. Yep. Yeah. Um, I could, yes, yeah, I I've could. got a. I feel like we could have uses those too. I feel like we could have like six episodes on <laughs> different equipment for the like what's on the row unit or in front of it. Like there's just so much stuff. It's well, like, almost too much. Like you said, Todd, pulling off the no-till coulter. I talked to one guy who leaves it on because he wants that to hit hit a rock or whatever first, sure, so it doesn't hit the row unit. Yep. And <clears throat> so he's not really looking for the no-till action necessarily. That's right. the first point of contact in any. Yep. Anything you're gonna hit? Which you'd so rather have that has get, a battering ram, right? Basically, you'd rather have that the hit there. It's the AJ Dillon of the <laughs> planter. Oh, you're right. It's, it's the, the, the fullback. The, the yeah. fullback. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Clearing the path. All right. Next thing to look at is your fertilizer placement. You know, are you doing two by two in furrow both, um, or are you just broadcasting everything, working it in, making sure all those parts and pieces are operating, tubes are clear. You know, last thing you want is something plugged up and now you're not getting the fertilizer out there, or even worse, you're getting too much fertilizer pumped into the furrow, and you burn your seed. Don't do that. So, yeah, make sure just to run some some liquid through it just to kind of see that everything's working. Um, regardless of which way you're doing it, just make sure that you've got the plan in place and you know how you're going to manage that type of fertilizer, that whether it's starter 
two by two, <clears throat> whatever you're doing, just make sure that everything's kind of working there. And obviously, water is not the same as fertilizer, but at least get something through, right? right. To make sure everything works and go in the driveway or the lane and try to get it going. I, I see the fertilizer dealers were out yesterday morning, probably trying to get ahead of this weather, doing some pan testing on. Oh, sure. On their. Oh, yeah. They were. You saw yeah. Some yeah, on the way spinning in. out. Yep, but it was like twenty, whatever degrees on an old hayfield, so it's probably firm enough. And they knew this crap weather was coming, so try to get something done. You get cracked up when you ask somebody about you got two by two, and they go, "No, no, no, I got one and a half by two and a half. I got one by three. I got one and three quarters by two and three quarters. It's all the same. <laughs> I mean, not in furrow, but underground." In a band. In a band. There you go. Actually, one of those bothers me is the two by two when it's two over and two above. <laughs> like, basically, they're dribbling it on top. Like, that, to me, you cannot call <laughs> two by two. Two by two. Like, that is the that is not. And it, it's just different. That's it's not. So, the, all these placements, you're right, are getting crazy different options. Well, there was even some talk a couple of weeks ago about doing some trials where if you are doing mostly in the soil, banding it, maybe you you can even pull back a little bit on the amount you need. So maybe trying that out and making, again, making sure all that equipment's working right so that you're getting an accurate result if you're going to try that. So, well, Not that fertilizer is super cheap, but it was more expensive. Yeah, last year it was. Last big. year, so the getting that band probably was, not that it isn't important today, but it was probably more important last year to concentrate that nutrient Versus a broadcast um, when fertilizer prices are higher. Right. Uh, next thing would be seed depth. Making sure you're planting deep enough. Are you in moisture? Um, basically, even after you try it out in the driveway or your lawn, when you're in the field, make sure you're getting out and checking depth, checking moisture. Um, you know, there's an argument that we had, I shouldn't say an argument, a discussion it was a couple weeks ago of, you know, does it really need to be exactly two inches in depth or should you be planting for moisture? And if it's an inch and three quarters, is that okay? And, you know, I think it, depending on your soil types and everything else, yeah, there's there's some flexibility there. You want to make sure you're in moisture so that you get good germination and everything germinates at the same time. But you also don't want it, like if moisture, planting into moisture means an inch deep, <laughs> or three quarters of an inch, or four inches, or four inches. Right? There's that's maybe a sign that hey, I probably shouldn't be out here. Maybe I need to just come back. I'll find a different field. But either way, you're not going to know unless you get out and check. What blows me away is the rain. Like when I check it versus say the guy planting, they might say an inch and three quarters, but what I get is like an inch and a half. So that line is always tricky. Where is that two? Usually. Everybody's good, you know. It's so, deep enough. So, like when you go to the doctor and they ask, like, "How many times a week do you work out, or how many drinks do you have?" Yeah, you're like, "Oh, you well, just kind of embezzle, or you embezzle, embellish, <laughs> yeah, no, you're embe- embezzling from your doctor." <laughs> yes, you just embellish a little bit to make yourself look a little better. Well, I think it's the uh, the Wisconsin drinking argument, right? What if binge drinking is five or more drinks a week? Well, what if you do it all in one night? Is that really binge drinking? <laughs> I don't drink every day, but when I drink, I drink a lot. But you're right. We did have that discussion on depth, and it wasn't like... I just think guys with tiny bladders that got to get out 
of the cab a lot. Is a good thing. This is great because then they can go this check them. Or if your planter guy smokes, too. <laughs> get a smoke break <laughs> and check your seat. That's our plan. <laughs> so we got to so show. Yes, so give your planter guy, get him lots of water. Smoking. Get him addicted to nicotine. Yes. And, or yes. Or just give him lots of bottles of water to drink so he has to get out. Just make sure he checks depth every time you get out. I, I do think the the amount you check there is important, even more than sort of the depth, because it gets you walking behind the planter, which you might catch something. A lot of times you can catch that stuff from the cab now, but it, you still don't, not always. And hey, They shut the monitors off and shut well, the alarms off so often because they're going off all the time um, yeah. that I think some things get missed because you, you shut the alarm off because you're sick of it going off for no reason. So, yeah, so you can maybe catch something you might not have caught and then just check in a few depths to see that, that it's where you want. I do think I've seen some planner guys that they really don't know what they want. And so you got to just tell them, like, this is okay. And then, like, okay, now I know yeah. what looks good and all. I think as long as you know it's, like, two inches all day, you know, no shallower than an inch and three quarters, no deeper than two and a half, just go. Especially you know, just, the custom guys, I feel yes. like. The ones that really, really care, they're super particular. Well, and, and you're doing it for somebody else. Right. You know, this isn't your own thing. Right. It's for somebody else, and you're like, I, you know, they just could tell they don't want to screw it up. But as long as they know, nope, you're... You're doing it okay. This is good. I've never gotten calls at 10 o'clock at night from a custom <laughs> yeah. planter guy wanting me to come check. Never happens. Never happens. But yeah, Max, it bring up a good point because I think Todd will probably remember the story too is, yeah, when the alarm's going off and you go out and you check the room unit and it says it's having an issue. Should it, it was important at that point that when you're going through the planter now that you check that all the row unit alarms and everything are hooked up to the right row unit. Yeah, because we had a farm uh, that Todd works with. Guy kept getting out, checking the row it said was malfunctioning, was operating fine. He could find seed, whatever. Well, it was actually, I remember if it was opposite side or how it, something got goofed up and it was telling the wrong row unit. So there was one row that wasn't planting the entire time. Just not the one they thought it was. But it wasn't the one he was checking. So make sure you check. Alarm six was hooked up to row number three. <laughs> something like that, yeah. Okay. Um, so make sure, yeah, everything's kind of where it should be when it comes to those as well. I think you do got to, at least when you first get started, do your best to check multiple rows. I, I get yep. it if you've got a 24-row planter or even a 16-row. That's It does take a lot of time. You wouldn't think so, but it does take a lot of time. And I found where it's like, yep, we got to change something here because there becomes a pattern or a couple of rows just aren't matching up with others. And I, I will say, from planter to planter, sometimes like it's a lot easier when you've just planted to find the row and probably dig up seed than, you know, say we're not there exactly that day, and it rains between when we get there, and now we're trying to find the row, find the seed, and find everything afterwards. Like, we can still find things, but it's just as important to be behind the planter as much as you can be, too, to check everything out and make sure things are going good. Because we can't go back and fix that field all the time. You're not going to replant for... That's wall. that's the part I always get struggle with. Is I used to check more depths. Like you say, say it was three days after they planted, and I'd check all these fields. Well, if they were wrong, you can't fix anything. Right. right. So it's worse. So a lot of times now, it's like we just try to follow right behind that planter. Right. Check Because the because fields that are already done... What are you going to do about yeah, it right. then? You want to fix what's ahead. Right. So then you go to the... Like I said, just finding 
that's why it's important to like whoever is in the cab of the tractor and and maybe you don't want that guy to stop so then maybe you got to have somebody else out there that's a guy that's picking rocks or looking at something that could just kind of keep an eye on depth um all right next is closing wheels you know making sure your furrow's closing how is that closing action affecting your seed depth so sometimes if you're depending how aggressive you are ahead of the row unit that closing wheel is kind of making making your depth it's firming that seed trench down to where if it was all loose maybe you'd be at two and a quarter but now you're at two or or so with that proper closing so making sure everything's good on that end um obviously we could have a whole episode on what combination of closing wheels works and what soil type and who's using what whether what rotation yeah or how they rotate or what angle to have them at um no matter even like i was i was thinking more so like crop rotation matt like oh that way yeah. what you're planting into so whether you're using one spike one rubber two rubbers two spikes cast wheels whatever it is just make sure you're getting the result you want when you're checking everything and look at how the furrow's closing maybe in in the field especially when you're behind the planter just kind of look back at what you've planted Make sure you you can't see open trenches. Another sign that maybe I shouldn't be planting this field today if you're having a hard time getting everything closed. Um, but just make sure everything there is is good. And sometimes you know if they're not spiked, you could potentially get build up too if things are a little tacky out there. So looking at how that's affecting closing. So all these parts and pieces. Make sure we're we're checking. And then weight distribution. Everything, you know, is your down pressure across the planter doing what it should be? You have the right amount or using hydraulic, air for air pressure, springs, whatever it is. Make sure everything's kind of riding where it should be. And that gets back to Bill mentioning looking at the whole planter. And if your wings are riding higher than the center of the planter because you got a center fill planter. I was just thinking that, Matt. You got to watch those wings. Yep. Keep an eye on those because, yeah, you're getting perfect depth right behind the tractor, but on the wings, it's shallowing up, then you're going to have some issues potentially. And now with all these different, like Max was saying, one and three quarters by two and two quarters and one and five eighths, all these different fertilizers that we put on here, watch that weight distribution on your fertilizer tanks too to make sure that you're not putting too much weight on the planter or disproportioning that weight. You know, some of some of these guys got four or five tanks that they're carrying. Or is anybody still pulling carts, or is that a thing of the past? I don't, I don't see, see any it very carts. much. I don't yeah. see no. any carts either. No, everybody. I, I think well, one they're such a pain to pull. Yeah. And like we had a farm with like a twenty-four roll with a cart, and it was like, geez, you get any any amount of slope, and you're just yeah, not even. It was just tough. That's like a you're not even the same zip code. I mean that. 24 roll in a car. That shows how good two of these tank systems have gotten on the trackers. You know, you're not just putting on a little tank on it now. They're kind of really made for that tractor. I guess as the planters get bigger, the tractors get bigger, so they can uh, probably handle that. And it's nicer, right? right? The tractor's made to handle it over that, which is nice, too. Yeah. And one thing about that, too, is check it when it's full and check it when you're almost empty. (laughs) Because. Right before you fill up, that's when, you know, your planter is probably the lightest. So making sure that 
your consistency is there and and a lot of guys are trying to match that up right like seed and fertilizer to right you know whether it's like every other time we fill up with seed or every time we fill up with fertilizer we have to fill up with seed or maybe it's every other you know just trying to but it seems like we're trying to get to a point where we can stop once do everything and then keep going All right, so in the end of the, end of the day, no matter what type of planter, how many bells and whistles you've got, make sure you're checking everything in, in the field. Um, don't just check the first field and keep going. You know, Try to stop at least once in every field because planting conditions can change. The soil type changes. Even if the soil type doesn't change, just the moisture could change in, through the day. Um, One thing, Matt, I think I'll add that you didn't have on this list was your monitor settings. Oh, yeah. How many times do you go to the field and I call it ins and outs with my crew. Like now with all these GPS planters that, you know, you put the planter down and it won't start till the GPS tells it. We've ran into scenarios where the settings are wrong and it doesn't start planting for 30 feet and then it plants 30, 30 feet, feet extra on the other, the other end. So watch your, you know, starts and stops or ins and out with your planter, making sure your settings are correct. And then, the skip row, too, had an instance a couple of years ago where farmer would go down, turn around, and instead of 30 inches, he was at, like, 45 inches. And then he turned back the other way, and they were at, like, 15. So just watching your distance on your skip rows, and that simply is just a setting in the monitor. And you think, well, I put it away, and it worked, right? Like, some reason you fire it up, and those settings aren't the same when you put it away. So I know the John Deere people are out you know, right at planting, trying to get those monitors dialed in, but don't forget that part too. Yeah, that's good. The agronomist getting the planting data off, hit the wrong button and screwed (laughs) up the monitor. Well, some of these guys use these monitors for other, you know, it goes into a different tractor for tillage or something like that. And I think that is a good point, Bill, is there's sort of three times that things to watch is, you know, now getting your planter ready, so the iron side of it, and we talked a lot about that, and then you're talking about the computer side of it. I don't know that we, we just sort of, like you say, assume like, oh, yeah, just grab the monitor out, chuck it in, and that's it. And that part of it, too, is take, you know, take 30 minutes, an hour, punch through that monitor to get used to all your screen settings again, get if you got comfortable where you're at with it. Talk to your agronomist or somebody about getting field borders in that are correctly. Maybe you picked up some new fields. Maybe you combine fields. Just getting that logistics of of shape files and and borders in your monitor so you're you're ready to go too yeah and make sure your field names and if you're punching in varieties too <laughs> that those are field in there's zero one yeah field one field, field one yeah I guess different planner drivers might be punching in different things for different fields so if you want to keep track of all those things you got to make sure the input is right so there you go. That's a look at some things to consider as you're going through your planter and getting ready for plant 2023. Uh, we'll move into our spotlight for today. So Helena has introduced two new sustainable brands. Inertia, which is an enzyme-based soybean seed treatment, and Resgenics, which is a water efficiency tool. So these are biological products. Um, as we've said before, there's 
millions of these things out here, it seems like, lately. A lot of different things in and out. Um, but the inertia product is supposed to increase your weight by mass of your roots. They've seen a 14% increase. You've also got a 3% increase in plant population and a 2.4 bushel increase in yield. So uh, as opposed to a standard fungicide in insecticide treatment. Water is also important, so this Resgenics is supposed to help with your water holding capacity and help the plants improve their water use efficiency. So that can be applied through irrigation or conventional spray applications and improves, uh, supposed to improve aggregation in all soil types. The product can strengthen and help mitigate uh, the soils against erosion. So be interesting to see some trials on these in field. But uh, yeah, kind of a popular thing lately. All right, now we'll move into our Ag History Minute. All right, so last week we talked about uh, Norman Borlaug and the Green Revolution. So he helped develop some different types of wheat and hybridizing that for increased growth. So <clears throat> today we're going to talk about some of the accomplishments that he had through furthering his Green Revolution. So in 1970, he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize by the Norwegian Nobel Commission for contributions to the Green Revolution that had an impact on food production, particularly in Asia and Latin America. In 1971, he was named Distinguished Fellow for the National Academy of Agronomy and Veterinary Medicine for Argentina. In 71, he also received the American Academy of Achievements Gold Plate Award. In 1974, he was awarded a Peace Medal in the form of a dove carrying a wheat ear in its beak by Haryana Agricultural University in Hisar, India. He was a distinguished fellow in 1975 of the Iowa Academy of Science. 1980, he received the S. Roger Horchow Award for Greatest Public Service by a Private Citizen. In 1980, he was also elected an honorary member of the Hungarian Academy of Sciences. In 1984, which is a great year. He was named, <clears throat> his name was placed in the National Agricultural Hall of Fame at the National Center in Bonner Springs, Kansas. Also that year he was recognized for sustained service to humanity through outstanding contributions in plant breeding from the Governor's Conference on Agriculture in Little Rock, Arkansas. And he also received the Henry G. Bennett Distinguished Service Award at the commencement ceremony of Oklahoma State University. In 1985, they named a wing at the University of Minnesota up in the Science Building in his honor, calling it Borlaug Hall. And in 86, was inducted into the Scandinavian American Hall of Fame. So he's had a number of recognitions. He was also uh, got to speak with President George W. Bush in 2006. He also wrestled in the Big Ten semifinals as a wrestler for <laughs> University of Minnesota. So there you His go. wrestling picture, he looks pretty 
Yeah, mean bad, green yeah. right there. <laughs> no, I wouldn't want to mess with him. It's one bad hombre. That that was quite a list, man. Oh yeah, no, I, I think there's a few, even a few other no, ones. That's wild. That probably we missed here, but I mean, my favorite out of these Nobel Peace Prize, obviously, is, is a cool, like, an extremely high award. And they said when he, so this is his wife telling the story that I read. So he was in Mexico when they found out, and they had no way of letting him. Like she was back at home or wherever they were in Mexico, he was an hour away in the fields. So when she found out, she drove an hour to go tell him, and that he didn't like believe it. He's like, "No, I like. What do you mean?" She's like, "No, you you won the Nobel Peace Prize." He's like, "No, I didn't." Yeah, like, whatever. I, yeah, whatever. Nah. Like whatever. And just kind of kept working. He's like, "Stop!" Like you won the prize. Yeah. So it's just a cool story of a very what seemed like a humble man to you know to have won all these things he didn't that wasn't why he was doing this right. at all yeah so he was 95 when he passed away in 2009 but a number of accomplishments in the last 30 40 years of his life so all right thank you matt and thank you to all our listeners out there please subscribe and tell a farmer friend all they need to do is search tilt talk radio in apple podcasts or on android download a app podcast habit podbean or player fm and just search till talk radio and we'll come right up you can also listen on your computer or smartphone browser go to tiltagcom slash podcasts we're now available on amazon music and you can follow us on facebook and twitter at tilt talk radio all right thanks todd now we'll get into our cool beans and that's corny with some current events so cool beans cool beans cool beans cool beans cool beans our cool beans this week the Bipartisan Next Generation Fuels Act is reintroduced into the U.S. House. It's a bipartisan legislation, which is almost like a bad word lately. You don't hear it very often. Uh, would phase out higher blend or fi- phase higher blends of ethanol into gasoline, reducing prices at the pump for consumers and supporting U.S. farmers by expanding the market for biofuels. Bill was introduced by Nikki Budzinski. And Darren LaHood of Illinois, Marionette Miller Meeks of Iowa, and Angie Craig of Minnesota. So the bill would build off the renewable fuel standard to provide more efficient energy solutions while supporting agricultural producers. The bill is also supported by the American Coalition for Ethanol, National Farmers Union, American Farm Bureau Federation, John Deere, and the United Auto Workers. So. Lots of good support there. And our That's Corny this week. Bear is in the process of suing six farmers from southeast Missouri due to them holding on to seed that they grew and applying dicamba to it. So Bear alleges that four of the six growers illegally applied dicamba formulations not approved for over-the-top use on extended soybeans and did so after the cutoff and that all six farmers held back soybean seed that contained the company's Roundup Ready to Extend technology. So the complaint was filed in January with the U.S. District Court of the Eastern District of Missouri in St. Louis, and Bayer is claiming that their actions infringe upon its patents and breach the term of contract and technology stewardship agreements the farmers signed. So I think most people know you're not supposed to keep your seed back, but... Uh, unfortunately, these guys are getting a in-court reminder 
of that fact. So Now we'll wrap things up here with a field good Friday. And this week's topic is a former NFL player uh, who's been speaking lately is found an interest in farming that was based in his history. So he didn't grow up on a farm, but farming was in his blood. His grandfather was a farmer during segregation. And so Jason Brown is making his mark by learning kind of the craft again of how to become a farmer. He was once the highest paid center in the NFL. Uh, He played at the University of North Carolina and then went into the big leagues. Uh, He turned down a contract as a free agent and instead followed his time on the football field by moving into the farm field. So it's kind of cool to see somebody be inspired to become a farmer. and Ravens and the Rams. Ravens and Rams. Yeah. Yep, I had to look it up because I had never heard of said Jason Brown. Yeah, I wasn't sure <clears throat> when I first read this article either who he was, but it's kind of a neat story of going from, like I said, the highest paid center in the NFL. From, from riches to rags, right? <laughs> Fourth round draft pick, so I mean, that's, that's no, not too shabby. How many years? I wonder how many years he really played. Well, oh, 05 to eleven, so so yeah, six, six or seven seasons. Hundred games played in. So decent. As he goes around and, and speaks on his experience, he said there, he now makes decisions based on faith, family, and farming. He goes to speak to school groups, and uh, because he's an NFL player, he probably pretty popular with some of the kids. And he he says he's working harder on the farm than he ever did when he worked out on the football field. So cool things happening. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. So this week we talked planting considerations and how to go through your planter. In our spotlight, we took a look at Helena's introducing of two new products to the market. A History Minute, we talked about the many awards won by Norman Borlaug after his work with wheat and the Green Revolution. Cool beans this week. It's the Next Generation Fuels Act supporting agriculture. That's corny as farmers getting sued over keeping uh, traded soybean seeds back and planting it again on their farm. And our Field Good Friday was a former NFL player who's now become a farmer. So thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.